Hello, everybody, and welcome to the premiere silo recap and review podcast. Good, weird, great, brother. That's a callback. And I am, of course, your host, John. And joining me today, as always, from the Red Wastes of Texas, is Patrick Ramirez. Hello, podcast listeners. How you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for asking. And also joining me is Jesse. Ahoy! Today, we will be discussing the final two episodes of the first season of the Apple TV show Silo. The episodes are titled The Getaway and Outside. The description on IMDb of The Getaway is racked with guilt. Billings sets off on a personal personal mission only to discover a mind-blowing clue from Juliet. The synopsis on IMDb for Outside is Juliet's fate seems sealed when certain truths finally come to light. So that's a little bit uh, reductive, but it works for our purposes, and there's a lot to discuss, so perhaps we should just get into it. Uh, Patrick, as Mm -hmm. always, we will begin with you. Uh, Is there anything that jumps out at you that you would like to talk about? Well, in the episode nine there, John, we've got a lot of stuff going on. First of all, we've got a blinky light thingy. That uh, Bernard has number 18 the blinks, blinks red and he's like grabs it while he's talking to Sims and then doesn't acknowledge it at all. And when it came up, if I'm ignoring what happens in episode 10, just focusing on episode nine, I'm like, what is like, what is this blinky thing doing? And he picks it up and uh, it says number 18 on there. Which is important because in episode 10, we find out that the fucking hard drive that Jules has is serial number number 18 and he asks his like uh goons uh sims goons to like find out you know track down the serial number uh hard drive where it's plugged into but he knew it seems like he knew what serial number hard drive that was he knew they somehow have these like trackers on all these ancient relics that light up if they're plugged into the mainframe somewhere or into the the, the system and uh i don't know what do you guys think about that uh hey patrick yeah Yo mama's so old that her phone number is 18. <laughs> Your mama's so dumb she failed a blood test. <laughs> I like the line, uh, I need you to look up serial number 18. And the nerd replies, uh, serial numbers have like nine digits. And he's like, yeah, it's a one and an eight. Also known as 18. <laughs> Find Bernard, it. Bernard wasn't having none of that guy's sassafras. Yeah. What did that key open at the end of 10? Like a server uh, room what? or something, right? Yeah, was that for him to shut down all the monitors, or what was that for? He shut down, like, the whole computer system or something. But that was the key. A key opened the door, and he shut all those things down. Wait, what key? That little okay, blinking thing. Okay, the blinky thing. thing, 18, is a key that he uses to open something in episode 10, and I have so Wait, many that, notes, I can't remember what he opened. That's what he opened the door with? I thought he just used his IT key. Nah. Why would yeah. he need yeah. that blinky light thing? Because it's a special key to get to a special place. That's why I was trying to remember. Huh. Yeah, but the, I'm confused about that because does that mean that there's like a bunch of other keys that all open other server rooms? And if so, why, why? would he need yeah. that specific key? I I had some questions about that as well. I need to rewatch that because I did not know that was a key. I thought it was a blinky like kind of Apple AirTag or something. Yeah, <laughs> I know you, you just TV. gave a description right? of the thing I was going to have to curtail you on the, the the blinky thing isn't on a bunch of artifacts the reason they find them every time is because they keep plugging us a hard drive into intranet and so all the computers in the silo are hooked up together so anytime he, they have to use like the sys administrative privileges to unlock this hard drive any computer in the silo could theoretically just like ping uh the the, the it but but why is why is that light up key thing exist i guess is this because they know it's a relic that they haven't found? I don't think that key is directly related to the the hard drive. I think it's related to a room that the hard drive was in. No, no, no. Probably? In episode nine, it's blinking when he's talking to Sims and he grabs it and doesn't say anything about it. And it's like yeah, blinking yeah, yeah. red. 
But why but does why it say does it... 18 on it if it's not related to the hard drive? Right. It has to. Right. I, I just mean, I don't think it's an, like an air tag for the hard drive. That's what I thought. I thought it had like she plugged it in when she's in the wherever she plugged it in first. I can't remember the IT room or something mm-hmm. and the uh, or her office or something like that. And then it's in like the alternate timeline or alternate like at the same time, whatever Bernard's talking to Sims and that thing starts blinking and I'm like, Oh shit. Like that seems like important. But then I didn't know that was like the hard drive serial number till later. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of confusing. So maybe I'm just dumb or maybe it could have been more clear. I'm not a hundred percent sure which one, but yeah, we'll ask when we have the writers on next week. Uh, yeah, what they thought, for what sure. They thought about it. Uh, Jesse, did you have anything that was at the top of your mind? <laughs> Um, boy, howdy. Uh, so much. I don't even actually know where to start and I don't want to. I I have something if we want to just kind of. Yeah, yeah. Keep flying. Yeah, do that. I want to think of something more thoughtful than just uh, plucking something out of my notes. So I wanted to talk about Kat, which is Sims's wife. Um, it can be kind of a weird thing to introduce a character like this in the last two episodes of a season. Um, we, of course, had heard about her. We knew that she existed, but I don't believe we'd actually seen her yet. And I was actually really impressed both with the execution and writing of that character, uh, just as far as her motivations and her background being interesting and setting yeah. up future mysteries because... I'm hoping at least that we will kind of learn more in future seasons about what her deal is. And then also, like I said, the performance for such a minor character, I think that that actor was really uh, chewing up some scenery and doing a really good job. So I just wanted to put a little shout out out there to that actor. Was for it? Sure. I thought her name was Camille. Um, Sims's wife? Oh, yeah. Camille. Kat is uh, Billings' wife. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. And she was also doing good. She was good. Yeah. There, okay, so I liked that. That was a really great character because they come in with a, a good, concise backstory. They behave out of the ordinary. And then they also hint at a bigger uh, current plot thread with them in it, which for someone that isn't going to get a lot of screen time, I maybe should take notes on how perfect that was of an introduction of a character. Even the first second we see her arrive at the house with the kid, so much is communicated through uh, that conversation with the, what are those jackbooted thugs called? Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders, yes. Uh, we learned that she was one uh, uh, and that she, she seems so well aware of um, kind of the in-between-the-lines uh, of any situation which is uh like i don't want you to scare my kids and she's like and i knew if they would have come in there was a very reasonable chance you told them not to shoot but they were gonna mm-hmm. and i was gonna traumatize our kid forever yeah and then uh later when she talks to her husband they have some kind of proactive like plan to try and get him to be the leader of the silo is what i took away from that conversation yeah, and I, I wonder how deep that goes, right? Because she works in IT now, so like it almost makes you wonder if she kind of created that bridge between Sims and Bernard to get this whole thing rolling. For which, sure. Which is interesting because uh, I like that she's not just Sims's wife. She is a fully developed character in her own right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. So when he goes to the... um. What do you call the room with all the babies in it? The baby room? Nursery. The nursery. That's what people call baby rooms. Uh, <laughs> Hospital baby room. He goes to the baby room. And what always weirds me out throughout the whole series is when they let him take a pause and they let, they almost humanize him. There's some relatable action he takes or thing he says where I'm almost like, I don't, I don't want you to be nice right now. I don't like you. And that's happened a couple times in the series. Um, and before we were theorizing on is he gonna is he more powerful than Bernard? Or are they even on the same team? Or is like one gonna usurp the other? Or like what is and the, so we keep gaining further knowledge of this relationship, but in the baby room, he says, uh, I remember getting my boy to sleep was the highest achievement of the day. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think they keep slipping in these little tiny uh, humanizing moments because it's going to amount to something. And I genuinely am not sure what it is, but I think Bernard calling him out on the, I'm not sure if you're my perfect shadow because you put your wife and kids like above the silo. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that has to, I hope, I think that has to amount to something. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but they seem pretty purposeful. So I think what I got out of that is just the idea that Sims is like, a, he's there for his family and for the advancement of his family. You know, think back to his monologue about his dad and how he's like, yeah, everyone thought my dad was a freaking shit kicker and just worthless. And, you know, like he was doing all this stuff behind the scenes. So I think it's just that he kind of has a chip on his shoulder about his family being looked down upon. And I think contrasting that to Bernard, this is sort of jumping ahead to episode 10 a little bit, but I started to think that Bernard is actually drinking the Kool-Aid and that he actually does think he's doing all this for the good of the silo. Whereas I think Sims, not so much. And I think that's kind of a little cause of a little bit of friction between them. Maybe. Yeah, I think that so that episode uh, with Sims is called the janitor's son where you Mm -hmm. like figure out who he is. You see the whole CIA shit with the Raiders and all that. But yeah, like I I don't know, like when Jesse, when you're talking about Sims, uh, like the little humanizing little vignettes they show, I I, to me, that was more of Sims playing both sides, like in front of the person that they're obviously after to talk to, which in this case with Jules's dad. You got the Raiders show up first and then Sims comes in and then plays good cop, bad cop. You know, it's like exactly mm-hmm. he's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, no, let, let's 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 let, you know, let's get out of here. We'll talk to him one on one in a second because mm-hmm. he pulls him out into the into the hallway and then immediately, you know, it gets gets down to brass tacks. Like, where's the fuck's your daughter? You know, and yeah, then, yeah. Uh, he like you see Jules's father say, like, well, if it was, was the roles were reversed, would you? do this would you give up your your son you know if the silo police were looking for him and since i think says some he says what none of us believe i think is that like yeah i would i would do it for the good of the silo but i don't think none of us really believe that we think that sims is in it from him his family at this yeah point. i i that, bet there's gonna be a test one day with that scenario now yeah right. that seemed like a hundred percent a lie to me <laughs> I think you both also just like kind of expanded my concept of like why he is behaving that way, which I think is exactly both of the things you said is he wants to be seen as someone with a cool demeanor and he wants to play good cop in front of most people. Mm -hmm. And also he does prioritize his family um, over almost anything. And uh, I think, yeah, that's going to amount to something. Um, since we're talking about Sims and his family, there was something that I wanted to talk about. And we're, we're jumping around between episodes, but I think that's fine because I kind of like talking about things on a like subject by subject or topic by topic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, oh, fuck it. <laughs> I went on that tangent and I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Sims. Um, Sims. got back up. His family. Oh, that's right. He he was yelling at Juliet. She When they eventually catch her, he's like... You know, oh, if we were up. alone, like this would be different. Like this right. would be going way different. He says, like, you went into my house and you scared my family. And then she goes, like, how many people do you think say that about you? Which I was like, get him, Juliet, get him. Yeah. <laughs> and his yeah. reaction to that was one of the most violently toxic, masculine bullshit. I. If someone would have behaved like that in front of me in real life, I would have lost it. Yeah. When a motherfucker starts pounding on their chest and screaming at me like that. Yeah. Dude, you go fuck yourself. I mean, <laughs> to, to be fair, the, he thought that like Jules was going to go like hold his family hostage and kill one of them. Right. So like, I get why he's mad. Well, and it's also a case of projection, right? Because he would not hesitate to threaten someone's family to yeah. achieve his goals. He, so he assumes that it. she would do that too. Exactly. Yeah, Even he, after he's the wife, disappeared people, you know, threw him off the railing. Right. hundred percent. And like, if he did, would have taken a second to talk to his wife. Like, I think like Jules behavior in that moment was the most you kind of could have asked from someone in a shitty situation like that and i almost feel like that 
minimal amount of respect paid towards the wife. Like, I'm sure she didn't want her kid traumatized, but maybe I'm reading into that too much. But my first interpretation was the wife was almost repaying a courtesy in a weird way. But uh, I could also I also do get the motherly like desire to not have your kids see all of this stuff. But then a tangent. Uh, Sims kid is a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's Fuck a kid, kid, Jesse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen some fucked up shit when I was a kid. And I wasn't like, Daddy, the bad man. The bad oh man who God. looked at mommy. We need to send like, the dude, bad lady to Guantanamo Bay and waterboard her, Daddy. <laughs> like, realistically, I mean, he probably wouldn't have even seen the gun. Let's but. be fair. Like, the kid oh, cracked open the door and saw his mom, like... Okay, so like, there's two things, right? Like when um, Juliet goes into the and or they the mom and the son, like the mom walks in, sees a broken glass from the the mirror, right, and sees the camera shattered or whatever, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Here, here you go, son, go in your little room," and then she like puts him in there, and then she turns around and like Jules is standing there with a gun, right? Or no, that's that's later. I don't, I can't remember where she finds Juliet, but then like the second shot you see them. Juliet, like she's putting her son back in the room saying like, I'm just going to go talk to this nice lady. And like Juliet, she closes the door and Juliet's standing there with a gun, like you're right in her back. And I'm like, do you not think he saw that? <laughs> and and then like, so he sees that and then he sees his mom handcuffed to the pipe in the kitchen when he cracks the door open and is like assessing the situation. And he's probably like, oh no, like this is probably not good. And you know what it makes me think about is the Jander son story where common was talking about how he had a bully at school that his dad disappeared for him or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm like, man, is he raising his son the same way where he can just be like, Timmy was mean to me, and then Common like goes and pushes him off the ledge or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. the kid's like, I never ever want to see her again, yeah. Papa. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, uh, deputy. Um. Oh, can I talk Billingsley. about this one thing in this scene real quick? Yeah. 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 Grab, grab I, it. I, I just liked when Juliet was pointing the gun at Camille or whatever, and she goes, "Do you even know how to use that?" And she's like, "Honestly, no, but." I'm pretty sure I just pointed at you and you're right in front of me. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. That that's she all. She had her no, finger on the trigger scene. like the whole time too. I loved how sweaty Juliet was, which is so realistic based on the fact that she was running up and down stairs throughout the entire two episodes. For sure. And I also like in that conversation where she's like, you got one shot and she's like, I'm close enough. I really don't fucking think that matters. <laughs> yep. How, no, yeah, she's like, how many do you think I need? And I was like, oh, it's so gangster. Yeah. All right. That, yeah, that what's was our, all I wanted to say about what's that. What's our though. deputy uh, deputy uh's name? Billings. 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 Billingsley. Billings. I love his hammer and chisel. He That's yeah. a multifaceted tool. He is breaking into places and keeping them locked shut. I thought him jamming it under the door was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. I thought that was a good move, too. For and then sure. no one, and then no one came looking for him, so it was kind of wasted. But <laughs> you want to know like a dark uh, anecdote about this is that I remember um, in high school there was a week where we had an unusually large amount of uh, horrible tragedies happening at schools in this country, like even more so than usual. And my math teacher was like. Just so you guys know, if you take two pennies and wedge them in the door frame right here, it's it won't be able to be open from the outside. Oh, just like in the part with the hinges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. I've never heard that. That's so crazy. Makes sense. Uh, Jesse, what what did you want to talk about next? Uh, uh, with Billings? So Billings goes in in there, badass hammer and chisel, finds the Georgia tourist book for kids or whatever the fuck travel guide for kids. Um, one, why the fuck did he burn it? And what page did he take out of it? He took the beach page and then he burned it because I think he couldn't take it the whole book with him. So he took like the most impactful pages. This is a, that's how I saw it. I don't know about you guys. I, I wasn't sure if he couldn't handle the responsibility. Like, because like, uh, he kind of seems uh, like he's like chickening out of all this almost. What if there's a page with a peach and then a page at the beach and he's like, uh, uh, like can decide which one, you know? <laughs> I, I think I kind of assumed what Patrick said, which is just that he didn't want to destroy the entire thing, but he wasn't going to risk carrying around the whole book. So, okay. yeah, that's kind of I how like I that. read it. 
Like he's got a, he's got a wife and kid, which I think they did they did touch upon that in that episode. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to remember that's the stakes that he's got to deal with. It's like it's not just him, like it is with Juliet, or she's sure. kind of like you know on her own. Yeah, she kind of has nothing to, to lose, about. right? And I I started to think about like I do often when I cry watching this show, but seeing that picture of the beach during a sunset. If you were someone that lived in the silo and had only seen the TV showing the dirty fucking fallout gray and brown outside, I feel like seeing that picture would be one of the most emotionally impactful and powerful things that you could almost ever do to, to, to know what the world used to look like. And, and for me, it like just levels up because you're like outside's pretty, you know what? Everybody loves more than just outside the beach because water like that is magical. That's a thing they don't ever get to see anymore. We've previously discussed that. Also, it's not just the sky's not brown anymore. It's not just that the sky used to be blue. The sky used to be rainbow colors. <laughs> the sky used to be rainbow colors and there was water as far as the eye could see. Yeah. I would lose it seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of it is so I I did laugh every time they do a dramatic reveal of the kids tourism book because it's like such an impactful moment, but it's just such a stupid thing for our sensibilities to be flabbergasted by. Of course it makes sense (laughs) in the fiction, but every time I saw it, I would be like, all right. (laughs) For sure. I I love that because it's it, it, the contrast of it being such a silly, basic, basic thing that everyone is mind blown over. Uh, that duality is super interesting. I think I brought this up, but in like the sequel books, there's a scene where someone's like flipping through a child's book and they don't know the difference between they're like, was the grass really green? Was the sky really blue? Did giraffes really exist? Were hippos really pink? And it's like, obviously in a child's book, some of like the grass is green, but that hippo wasn't pink and they have no context for how much of this is made up for children or Israel. Yeah, it does right. make me curious to actually read the books because I think certain things like that could benefit from an omniscient narrator being in someone's head and talking about what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, as far as Billings, I did want to talk about the syndrome because uh, that is sort of a central thing about it, you know, because he's talking with his wife and she is kind of advocating for one thing and he doesn't want to do that thing. And he's he's telling stories about growing up with the syndrome and all this stuff. But I started to wonder because they talk about how the pact specifically references the syndrome and how you can't have certain positions and whatever. I sort of thought that was just a policy unrelated to the pact, but it turns out it's actually specifically in there. So it kind of made me wonder if the syndrome has something to do with the flame keepers or the uprising or something like that. I That's probably like on the top three mysteries of things I want to I want to figure out in like the future seasons agreed I started trying to probably be too rational about it this episode and I genuinely started to wonder if it was just multiple sclerosis or not I started looking up numbers on MS and it's like general population there's a 0.5% chance you get it Uh, if your parents or siblings have had it the risk is twice that which is still 1%, but when you have a limited human population, like that's a really fucking big deal. And then also there's certain infectious diseases like um, what Epstein-Barr virus that have been linked to multiple sclerosis. And so I was trying, to, I bet there's going to be some cool sci-fi thing that's about the, because I don't remember where that comes from, but I was trying to just like, why, why would they... So my 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 conspiracy brain at first thought it had to be like transmissible or something like wild that they want to keep under control. But when we found out that the pack just says they can't have like physical labor jobs, then I don't I don't I can't get what risk this is. I thought it was like a high stress type of thing. I, I, I missed the part where they said there was a physical labor restriction or like, did they say that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I missed that part. I, th- I thought it was like a high stress. You couldn't have a job that's potentially high stress like that he kind of has right now, like, you know, sheriff or like judicial high up, whatever. That's what I thought it was related to, like, because it maybe would like set off more of the disease, like you could be more debilitated than if you didn't have that job. Yeah, I, I think specifically what he said is 
it was physically demanding jobs, but um, yeah, I mean, we probably don't know everything about this, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it is a cool mystery. Like, why is there a silo syndrome and what yeah. happens? Like, what's the progression? If he's, ha- I thought it was something new he had before this up ep- for the episode nine or whatever or ten. Like, I thought it was something he recently caught and was like oh, hiding no. it. And then they talk about how he's had it since he was a kid, and you're like. So what is the what is the like prognosis for this thing? Like, is it something that you can have for thirty years and then it kills you, or is it just like kind of like a Parkinson's thing? Well, I mean, Parkinson's yeah. will kill you as well, for but, sure, uh, way faster. But yeah, I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, and spe- speaking of, I don't know what the deal is. The mines? That's one of my top three mysteries right now. Yeah, yeah. Like the that's fact a that there is the fact that there's mines. Given the thing that we learn at the end of episode 10, which is that there's other silos all around them, I'm yeah. like, what if they like accidentally bust through the wall of another silo or something? I don't know. Like, there must be really like specific Spider-Man rules meme. about where they can <laughs> mine or something. I don't know. Yeah. And they're mining iron ore, I believe, is what they said. Yeah. Um, which is like, yeah, where is the mine? Number one, <laughs> is it just another big spooky room down below? Yeah. Oh, which reminds me, when Juliet was arguing with um, Bernard, she had brought up two things. It was like, why don't you tell us about this thing? And then she's like, and why don't you tell people about the giant door that's down in the deep or whatever? Yeah. And he made a fucking face. Did any of y'all catch that? Where it kind of seemed like he didn't know what she was talking about. I thought it was he knew what she was talking about, and he was like, oh, fuck, she knows about that. But yeah. also, like, he already knew she was going to kill her by sending her out to clean. So I think maybe, I don't know what his what his uh, reaction was. I don't know. For, for sure. I'm interested. One of us is right here. I'm not sure which one. Yeah. Well, I think it's left purposely vague. Like, I think the performance mm-hmm. and the writing both leave you thinking either he doesn't know what she's talking about. Or he does, and he's like, oh, my God, she knows even more than I thought she does. Fuck. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, I have a question to posit. What's up? Um, so in this episode, they learn about video cameras. Yeah. They learn, no, that mo- more specifically, they learn about video recording. What is the <laughs> citizen of the silo, the citizens of the silo? What is their understanding of how the monitors work? Um, that's a great question. I mean, they just call them sensors, right? I guess I'm just I I didn't even comprehend it until today. But there has to be such an no, interesting <laughs> childlike divide in their minds between a TV showing a live footage from outside and you being able to record that live footage and watch it later. I think they can't have, they don't know there's video cameras because of the magnification thing, right? Which yeah, the, but the, how- the reverse is that is you can't have tiny lenses like you'd need for video cameras to work, right? Because you need some... But, but how do they think the monitors work? Every floor has the same they... singular monitor that goes outside. Yeah, but... Uh, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah, they know their TVs, and they go up there and talk about, like, watching the screens. Right. And, like, every Why? floor going down has the same thing in their cafeteria. Yeah, that's a good question. I never thought about that. Like, they do have the giant video screen showing the outside. But right, they so they just... have some kind of rudimentary understanding where it's like, well, we have the magic window, and the magic window shows everybody what's going on outside. Right. But their minds are fucking blown that well, the magic like window recording. could possibly save anything <laughs> that was on it and show you later. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good question. I didn't, right? I never it's thought weird, about that. Thin divide. When I first saw the first episode, I thought it was an w- actual window outside. But Fair. then when you find out it's a screen, it's like this, and everyone must know it's a screen because they all watch it on their own floors, right? Right. right. Someone goes out to clean, so. Totally. Yeah. Maybe they're just dumb. Maybe that's yeah, maybe the, they're dumb. That's they're, the, they're that's just like, the end point periscope. of Silo Syndrome. Silo Syndrome. Yeah. I was uh, reading a thing where someone theorized that maybe they're like getting drugged to be stupid, <laughs> which I don't, I don't think that's necessary, to be honest. They're so sheltered from everything that. I don't really think they're stupid. I think they're just not very well informed about things, but I guess it's possible. We might be getting emails from silo people now, John. Thanks a lot. You've uh, offended the silo community. I did think it was <laughs> funny when Bernard was talking to Lucas and he was like, and then she destroyed the air quality monitor behind the mirror. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah which is like a high level offense or whatever he said. Like, 
I was also like, if that was an air quality monitor, why would you put it behind the mirror? That makes no sense. But okay, Bernard, you go oh. off, buddy. Yeah. Uh, are we just going on with more? Because we can just like run them together. Because I had another question about... Um, well, no, no, no. I'll, I'll keep it for later. No, dude. Fucking... F- it's just episode go. 10. Uh, speaking of the air quality monitors, aka video cameras, um, when I was curious about what... Before Bernard has a meeting with Lucas... Um, he like is pouring, he's going to pour a drink for himself or, and then he like puts a stopper back in the bottle or the decanter. And I was like, Oh, is he worried that it's poisoned? And then like the next scene you see him is like pouring, he's pouring a shot for him and pouring a shot for Lucas. And then I thought for a second that he was going to like poison Lucas and like keep him, like keep his clean or something like that. But then you find out that Lucas survived. But I thought for a second he was either worried about being poisoned and then also going to do the poisoning to somebody else. But I do like that think? interpretation, but I kind of just read it as he was going to take a drink and then he was like, uh, actually, this might be the most important day of my entire life. So maybe I don't yeah. get drunk right now. <laughs> right. Oh, and he said, yeah, like he's drinking the Kool-Aid. And I, I do 100% believe that like Bernard does the things he does because, man, this is like all running together now. But like you think it's for the, be- the betterment of the silo, but you also think that he knows there's other silos now. That's what I... When yeah. you see the end of the tin, you see all the, all, the, all the other silo little pits or whatever. And it's like he, he is trying to maintain order because he knows it's not safe to go outside. Like he knows the whole screen thing with the cleaning is a lie. It's a projection mm-hmm. to get people to clean the monitor, which is kind of a fucking weird thing. Can you like, explain you that to could- me? Because I was like so fucking confused at the end of the last episode where I was like, so they're the the monitor is fake in the screen but it is bad out there but the monitor no, so makes the, it look worse and then once you no, go no, out the, there there's no, 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 a separate take it away patrick yeah the screen in their helmets their 2001 space odyssey helmet screens is a projection of a fake reality it's like yes it's like ar right so like exactly they have it is processing real-time imagery but it's also being it's got some kind of program filtering it. over right, real it, life yeah it's got a filter it's like a video filter to to program out the real wasteland that they live in with this green bird ship. Because and if you remember like way back in episode one and two, when you saw the flying V of the birds, that's the same, that Jane Carmody video yeah. they're playing. That's the same video they play for everybody who goes to the clean. Yeah. And that's yes. why they make a big deal about saying like, nobody says they're going to like, everyone says they're not going to clean. And then they always end but up they doing always it. Do. They always do because they get that same, you know, video because of like, oh, IT John is yeah. trying to get make them think there is hope. So right. if they trick them when they go outside, and that person outside needs their family and friends to know outside is better than they think it is. They think the only way to do that is to like clean the cameras. I feel like it does that. Like that illusion falls apart. It's like. Clearly, the camera works. Yeah, that's <laughs> like that's what I'm confused about. You think about. like the the wool is gonna like? Uh, yeah, oh, we need it to clean the lens off so the green comes through. It's like no, like you've seen people clean before and it's never green. Yeah, afterwards. So like, why would you think? Maybe they're just so it's overblown n- with like the whole like sure. what it, the world looks like to them, and they're like, I oh, they have to see this, and then they get to that point where they clean it, and then they go walk back up to the hill by that tree. And their view shows no dead bodies anywhere. It's so fucking weird, dude, because like in their in their screen view, they see no dead bodies anywhere. And then they get to a certain point where she like uh, Juliet kneels down and she's got that badge thing and she puts the truth badge down, which I kind of I kind of don't know what that is about. But she's putting it on his body. She knows where his body's supposed to be. And you kind of see like the reality the the filter and reality kind of like the boundary is layer is right there or whatever. Yeah. And I think what that means is that most people would take their helmet off to see it with their own eyes and then the gases kill them and that's how they die. Right? Oh, this is a perfect segue into something that you might not have caught in episode 10. Uh-oh. So, Patrick, you one, okay, first of all, you, what you said is valid and I'm pretty sure we saw somebody take their helmet off in one of the episodes. Yeah, I think I'm pretty Colston sure the sheriff did, right? did take his helmet off at the That's end. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know why is that the sheriff would have taken his helmet off so he could see his wife for right. the last time before he dies. Yeah. Cause he couldn't see it through the filter. Well, and but, they also said, if I remember right, no one's ever taken their helmet off before. Yeah. They're like losing their shit when he did that. Yeah. 
And well, yeah, they, they think that. And then, so what do you think was going on with Marnes going to visit her ex-wife? Marnes is the down deep mama, right? That's Martha. No, that's Marnes was the deputy before. Sorry. I, this is Walker? my fucked up brain. I always do this. Um, or Walk. Martha. Yeah. So, uh, the old Patrick. Mayor? Oh, you're asking Patrick. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm okay with this. It's mostly because Pat, I want to, you can pick up from where Patrick drops this in a second, but like, what, what did you think? What do you think about this whole scenario? What, what is Martha doing? When you say Martha, you mean the old mayor, right? No. No. Who's Martha? The agoraphobic the lady, lady. who won't leave her room. Yeah. Her name's Martha Walker? Yeah. Okay, I just I forgot her first name. Okay, so Walker, what is Walker doing? Yes, Walker leaves her room right. for the first time in twenty like, years. Like Jules needs her, right, to visit her ex-wife. Wait, that's I thought she was married to a guy. No, wasn't she married that's to her a guy? ex-wife who she said she didn't think she was ever going to see again. She went to go talk to her ex-wife who works right. with in, the inventory, right, at the supply. Yes. Oh, I mean the supply. The supply is good. That's the note that goes back up to Juliet. What do you think that is about? It's about the. Well, they call it heat tape, right? So, like, yeah, there's a whole big stink. That's why Juliet got in trouble in the beginning. But the heat tape from mechanical versus the supply, and that. Do you remember what they say about the heat tape from mechanical? Mean the mechanical heat tape is really, really good, right? It's much better than the supplies or than the. Whatever the other one is. And then Martha goes, that's really weird that they have such shitty heat tape in IT. It must be for a reason. Yeah, it's so that it leaks, right? Yes. Oh, I get it now. So that yeah. the supply is good, which means that like her ex-wife made sure that they had mechanical heat tape when they sent it for Jules' suit when they yes. went out to clean. And so that Jules knew that she had more time than anybody else had yeah. because her, te- that other tape her tape wouldn't leak. Right. So that she could go explore. And that's, fuck yeah. Yeah, boy. And that's why they fuck were so yeah. mad about the heat tape, not because IT needed it so bad, but because if they looked at the heat tape they would find out that it was intentionally sabotaged to leak or whatever but i don't did they know that the mechanical know that the heat tape was used for the cleaning stuff i thought they use it they used for the heat tape for like i was like imagining like captain tape like heat electronic shit like you're making electronical shit you know but no, for that, that that's fair that 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 would be a regular assumption like uh some somebody has to know because they they do tape them up every time they do that. So at a certain point, she just started connecting dots. That's right. I they have did to make assume. a big deal about carrying the tape up in that big satchel, the tape in a big satchel. fancy protected box. Yeah, the big ballpark uh, tape satchel holder. <laughs> oh yeah, so good. That part was really uh, I, I liked that callback slash wrap up type thing. That was oh, really I see what you did there, John. <laughs> nice um you're right yeah i didn't even think about how fucking fun that is bro like for that's like first episode shit i think like first or second episode shit that seemed like it really it was for character development that's why gonna pay off yeah that's why bernard didn't want julia because like oh you mean that thief stole the heat tape oh all right if we are done with the heat tape discussion um i would like to take a quick break And we're back. So something that I wanted to talk about is my favorite character, Comrade Patrick Kennedy. He's back, baby. I unironically oh, think oh. he might be one of my favorite characters in this in this season. He just <laughs> he is so not interested in any of this, and I hope he's okay, but it sounds like he's probably not. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but just the whole time where he's just like, I just want the fucking watch, bro. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, well, uh, now the Raiders are coming to your exact location. Mm-hmm. And he's like, motherfucker, dude. Like, this poor guy yeah, that was... just wanted to live his life and have a cool watch, and fucking Juliet could not let him live. <laughs> he, he is denied. Yeah. I, I just think he's cool. I don't know. He is cool as shit, dude. Um, like honestly, he has a good. He, he's he's a fucking go getter. He's a, he's his own person. He uh, is against the government and does cool sneaky. He's a, he's the Han Solo of the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's a really interesting, cool character. Um, I sorry, I, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Another thing that I noticed was uh, 
<laughs> Bernard and Sims in the scene where they're uh, shaking down Martha in the deep down or down deep or whatever it's called. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Common is like standing next to Tim Robbins <laughs> and Tim Robbins makes him look like a baby. <laughs> I know. And I looked it up like Common is six foot tall. He is not a short man. And he Tim Robbins is six foot fucking five, dude. <laughs> yeah. He just dwarfs the man. He's literally looking up at him. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. That the the shot they have where he's like uh right next like to the right of Common, you're just like I thought Common even small was even smaller than six foot. Like because I knew Tim Robbins was really tall, but like he just is so much bigger looking than Common. It's like ridiculous. What do you guys know this guy from? Shawshank Redemption? Uh, isn't he in Twister too, or is that the other guy? He's in a ton of shit. I'm looking at his like history, and none of this shit is like a Shawshank big Redemption, deal to me. I sh- I feel like you should have seen or Mystic River. Yeah, Bill I have him. A piece of shit. He was in uh, Austin Powers: The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, he yeah. was in the original Top Gun too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't watch that. Whoa, he's in VHS, which is a movie neither of you have heard of, guaranteed, and you, you everybody should watch. Yeah. That's not what this podcast is about. I though. don't know him from like anything no big, way. but like I know he was in Tenacious D. Uh was he in Zoolander? No, he wasn't in Zoolander. Zathura. <laughs> um, dude. Yeah. Dude, he was in Twister, what? but more importantly, he was in Network. I don't I know that movie. Network. You don't know Network? No. No. With the uh, it's Peter Finch, right? Yeah, Peter Finch. Oh man, that's a that is it. You okay? You John, you will love this movie. You watch Network. All right. It's like so relevant to today. It came out like fifty, no, f- yeah, fifty years ago. I think. Wow. Like nineteen seventy six. Oh, so he would have been young. Yeah. Wow. Like, it's like uh, super young. Well, maybe that can be a future episode of this podcast. That'd be fun. We're going to turn into Tim Robbins. Tim he Tim in, Tim instead of uh, then Green Lantern. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a much bigger hit than Network. Um, so (laughs) I was wondering what you guys thought about the scene with George, where we find out what happened with him. I want to go first because I know Jesse knows probably. Do you know Jesse? What do you mean? No, I saw the episode like from the books. What am I supposed to know? He killed himself. Hmm. Okay. I thought maybe it had been doctored because we all know that IT has the ability to doctor videos. Interesting. Jesse, I think you oh, can't tell if it's <laughs> a real like, there's, or if that's a uh, leading me no, on. Oh. Th- this is this is genuine. Anytime I've ever faked it, you guys have not caught on at all. And this one time, I'm very serious, like genuine. Isn't that the and story like, of my life, Jesse. <laughs> um, people faking it a lot with you, Patrick. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I don't wife. have a lot to say about it other than it was uh, emotional. To a, a great degree, but I, I, I figured maybe Jesse or, or you, Patrick, would have something to say about it. I can see I it going regular, either way. Like I have the regular Jesse thing. thing to say about it, which is I love love. Love is beautiful <laughs> and powerful. And when I see people express love, it makes me feel feelings that make me want to be alive and love people. He looks at the camera and touches his heart and kills himself. Yeah. Poetic. Between that and the video that he left for her, it's... Kind of touching not only the actual very real love that they had for each other, but also the amount of faith that he had in her that she would figure this shit out. Like, yeah, wow, because why would he assume she would ever see that? I mean, unless he fully believed that she was gonna, like had a godlike ability to just figure out anything she put her mind to, which I guess given for her sure. history and mechanical, I mean... I feel she like that's did. the most unbelievable part to me is that like he leaves this like Easter egg of a love letter to her and it's like so out of left field for like it's just highlights bad communication skills I feel on his part <laughs> like at least if you're spending all this time with someone who you planned on just using and then you did fall in love with them and you never expressed that maybe out of fear that I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself out of this now. Maybe he didn't express it because he feared that she was going to be called in or she would be like disappeared or, you know, spirited away by the Raiders if they knew that somehow they knew they were connected or something. I don't know. No. Yeah. I think you're onto something because 
He was talking about like, oh, why you want to keep me alive so you can like torture. I don't remember. He says torture me. Yeah. But doesn't he say something about his like friends or loved ones or something? I think to find his friends and loved or yeah, yeah. Because it's like if he's that. alive, they could torture his girlfriend in front of him and get anything they want out of him. So by hiding this from her, he is trying to protect her. And I think that video was the like, like he said, I'm either sitting right next to you, showing you this because you're the love of my life. Or you found this by yourself, and I'm fucking dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a lot of good emotional stuff in this in these episodes. Like, I also liked the scene where uh, Juliet's dad, Peter, when he comes to visit her before she goes out to clean. I thought it was a nice callback how every, everybody was bringing her food. Because wasn't it in the first episode that Holston brought Alice, Allison, or no? Yeah, he brought her like an apple or something, right? I don't remember that. I think I think you're right, but I, I genuinely don't remember. And I think she said the same thing that Jules did, like I'm not hungry, which yeah, fair. Mhm. Um what else what else did you guys want to talk about? I I don't have a whole lot of notes left. Um so yeah, I'm curious what you guys what you guys got. Uh when Bernard smashes that hard drive with a hammer, my gut reaction was like that has to be a decoy or something right like she's gonna pull one more rabbit out of her sleeve like she's down there with the sneakiest fucking like secret radio mama like i (laughs) i really thought that that has to be fake and i'm not sure it is but when he's sitting at his desk and he's like has all the pieces and he picks up the platter from the middle of the hard drive and like holds it up and starts looking at it I kind of started to think maybe he thought that too. Yeah, I would not be surprised in season two if Martha pulled out the real hard drive and started picking up where Juliet left off somehow. For sure. Like, if you're going to gamble with cert- more certain odds, this is a dangerous item. You know they want this destroyed. Well, you would presume they would want this destroyed. And so if you, if I was in a hurry... I would just swap some shit around in there. And uh, what if it is fake, what a gamble to have worked out where you're like, yeah, I just put like a Venga Boy CD inside of that. Yeah. And he just grabs a hammer and starts smashing it up. And you're like, dope. He's never going to find out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't think about that either because it, she would want to at least put a decoy inside the case of the real one so that the serial mm-hmm. number would match and everything. So, exactly. yeah, it's totally possible. And in real life, it's not super easy, but if you're only taking the spinning platter out, that's just a couple screws. That's like four screws. You pull the, the lid of it off and you could yank that shit out. But Yeah, because you're not trying to maintain the integrity of the actual hard drive. You just want the, the disc or whatever out of it. So, exactly. Yeah. To put it back under uh, uh, the little needle somewhere else. Because somebody in that building has an understanding of at least how hard drives work. Yeah, I think Martha actually, actually does. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I uh, Man, so many good performances, man. Like, the person playing yeah. Martha was really good. And then we've been talking about Tim Robbins a lot. But by the end of the episode, I was like... He's a really good villain, and I some of my, f- actually, pretty much all of my s- favorite scenes involve him in some way, because he's just, he's playing such a complex character and giving such a complex mm-hmm. performance that you just, your eyes are just glued to him while he's talking. 100%. I think this is one of those performances where it's so d- nuanced and has such depth to it that, like, once we finish watching season two... If we go back and watch season one, I bet there's so much we'll be able to pick up because there is some kind of secrets still going on, like how much he knows about certain things, what his motivations are about certain things. And so in a lot of scenes, it's me or us going like, well, did he mean this with that face or did he mean this with that face? Mm -hmm. And I I feel like he he as an actor and, and embodying that character knows his full motivations, knows all the things he's supposed to know. So all of those like nuanced uh, facial expressions and stuff are probably in the future are things that we could probably see as tells and understand exactly what those mean. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited to go like once we get that information to go back because he every time I see him still, it's like a little bit of a mystery. Um, Even what his true motivations are like, 
Is he drinking the Kool-Aid? Is he doing this for himself? Does he work for a higher power? Is he the higher power? Like, I just, he's, he's really, he's, he's intriguing to watch. He's a, yeah, he's a complex character, like John was saying. And I think something that I just put together, too, is that probably the reason the performance is so compelling is because Tim Robbins, the actor, is doing a performance, but Bernard, the character, is also doing a performance. Exactly, yes, yes, yes. And that's the part I can't see through right now. Yeah. I need to know more about him to be able to see through, like, what part of this is the mask or not, which is, like... Those performances are kind of the coolest shit to see. Like when we were, when I was talking about the doctor, even when the, this is a different situation, but when he's like an actor pretending to be a dad, who's bad at lying when he was trying to get the like Tylenol. I love those kind of layered performances where it's like, I need you to act, but act bad, act good, bad, like act bad, but be good at it. (laughs) Those are fuck. That's always fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. What else, what else do you guys got? A theory. Ooh, I do have a clarification. Um, Wait, I just want to clear something up. Uh, I looked it up. Please. Tim Robbins is not in Network. It's just someone who looks like a young Tim Robbins, but it's not <laughs> actually him. But Network is still a great movie. I think it won an Oscar for Peter Finch. He's like, but also there's not a movie called The Network. I meant The Social Network. And by Tim Robbins, I meant the guy who plays Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that far wrong. Just it's not Tim Robbins. But sorry, go ahead, uh, Jesse. But we are going to watch The Green Lantern soon for the podcast. Um... <laughs> So, serial number 18. Mm -hmm. Serial numbers aren't supposed to be that low. So, I don't think that's a serial number. Maybe it's the number of the silo? Yeah, that's exactly what I was Mm, starting to think. Yeah, I I have a kind of related theory, too, because the fact that we find out that we have all these other silos, it kind of gave me Fallout vibes, because if you're not familiar with the Fallout lore, all the vaults are kind of different social experiments, that were carried out by vault Tech. And so I'm mm-hmm. wondering if there's a similar kind of thing where each vault has a certain dynamic that is, has some kind of ulterior or ulterior motive in mind or something like that. Oh, like maybe silo syndrome is the experiment for this number 18 silo. Maybe. And they yeah, have maybe. a different thing on the other ones. That's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm super curious to find out, but yeah, I mean, wow, that last shot with all the craters everywhere, it's like, wow. Did that jitter on either of your TVs? I think so. Mine, like, freak nasty, like, as if my TV was overheating. And so, I'm about to start talking about TV refresh rates Don't and shit. Do it. Don't fucking do dumb. it, Jesse. Don't <laughs> I'm do not. it. I'm going to skip any technical Restrain parts yourself. of this. But things that move faster on a TV are blurrier. Because the TV can't show it appropriately. I'm not getting into technical stuff. But when a thing moves slowly, it's clear. So in that scene, the Jules is in the middle. And the middle of it was perfectly clear for me. But the outside ring, it looked like a game broke. It was like chunk, 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 chunk. As the center was perfectly clear. And I was like, man, this is a real dramatic, cool scene. I wish it wasn't fucking up so bad on my TV. Well, I think that was the Jesse TV things. I don't remember yeah, that. Judging on your Discord right now, Jesse, it might have been an internet-related issue. Interesting. Uh, I, I'm sort of joking, but you were kind of roboting out earlier. So. <laughs> but I'll I think replay your Audacity is uh, probably good, but yeah. Audacity yeah. is 100% choppy. good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then I'll, I'll replay it and check that out. because Either I didn't notice it because uh, I don't have an eye for it or it didn't happen for me, but I did kind of... I, I don't love those... Uh, aerial shots where they pan around in a circle like that it kind of makes me sick to my mm-hmm. stomach so that mm. was mostly what i was focused on <laughs> that's anti-silo syndrome john yeah you need to get that checked out <laughs> what if they're just like the last ones alive <gasps> all the silos what if this is the last of us prequel what if this is the first of us the prequel to the last of us I did no. I just it's assumed. the second to last of us. Oh my god, that's what this. When I take the opposite take, it's the 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 last of the last of us. I, it did occur to me, like, what if this is the only silo that's actually left functioning? And then the even more horrific thing that I thought about is, what if all the other silos are really nice and everyone's chill and they're like communist <laughs> utopias <laughs> and they tell the truth to everybody? Yeah. And then this is the only I, one where all the people suck who are in charge. <laughs> this is the lying experiment silo. Yeah. What do you, what I, do people I do? do have a, I, yeah. 
this uh when you're just talking about like the what if there's like you know this is like the last of us prequel whatever i remember having a dream one time where you know the movie or it's a book to the last of the mohicans yeah i mm-hmm. i had a dream one time that i was like at a bookshelf and i picked up a book that was called the very last of the mohicans <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> this reminded me of <laughs> you should write that the last of the mohicans but for real this time yeah, like the very last. It's like the we sequel. We made sure of it. Oh, that's dark. Uh, uh, so my last, the last two things I, I have on my plate here are about billings. Um, so sorry, that's all the time we have today. I'd like to thank everyone for coming to this podcast. My hand is shaking right now. Thanks for tuning in. Are you holding your left um, hand with your right hand or whatever? I am. Oh my God. Do you have Silas syndrome, Jesse? So he tells his wife, his wife is like, maybe you should go back to your old job so I won't be as stressed out and we don't, the family doesn't have to worry about like losing you or you don't like get us kicked down 30 levels to somewhere shittier because you broke the pact. Uh, then he aggressively tells his wife about when he beat up a kid when he was a kid. Yeah. And it was like, it felt like, I don't think this was, this wasn't the purpose of the scene, but it felt a little threatening. He was like, yeah, yeah, the last time I had this discussion with someone, I knocked one of their fucking teeth out. And I told him I'd hit him even harder next time. And I'm like, she looked a little shocked by that. And I was just like, what does, I hope this is like the heat tape thing where this pays off later. And then fucking Sims, I think I got his name right for once. Yeah. He was like, oh, why are you holding your hand in your other hand? I thought that he was going to punch Sims in that moment. That would have been fucking cool. I love to see violence against Sims, so I would have loved that. Woo! <laughs> That's I also liked about. when uh, Bernard. Every time Bernard big dogs Sims, I love it. Even though Bernard's a piece <laughs> oh, of shit, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Even though Bernard's a piece of shit, I still love to have Sims be like told, like, "Hey, shut the fuck up, dude. You're you're not actually top dog. I know you think you are, but calm down." Yeah, yeah, and he like treats him kind of like a dog. He's like a dude who has like a really highly trained German shepherd. And after a while, he's like, yeah, the dog can wait outside. You know, like, I don't g- need to scare people anymore. I'll take care of this. <laughs> you know what's going to happen eventually? That dog's going to bite back. And I, oh, so we just figured out the ending, right? Like Sims is going to go berserk on Bernard after getting his shadow position like revoked or something. Or Sims is going to just get fed up with taking orders from Bernard and snap. Or Bernard doing something that puts Sims family at risk. Yeah, right. Dude, it's, he's maybe like, he's gonna test Sims like about his how how utilitarian he really thinks he how he how he is. He's gonna be wrong, and then he's gonna kill Bernard. Yeah. Oh man, can't wait to see Me that. Me too. <laughs> um, you got one more thing. My last, cool. my last Billingsley thing. Um, he is speaking to. Oh yeah. Just also, I want to pour one out for our star boy. That poor fucking bastard. He didn't deserve any of this. He didn't deserve any of this. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. For sure. He's like, I didn't do anything and I helped. (laughs) I just wanted to kiss her in front of the stars. He's like, I was just Uh, trying to get my dick wet. (laughs) Right? Uh, I wouldn't call myself curious. I'm, uh, I'm have great deductive reasoning skills. Um, but, uh, so Billings gets an exemption for his syndrome. Yeah, I think he might have cut some kind of deal or something. I was really wondering why they would do that. I don't know, man. I don't know. Wait well, a minute. Until, ne- until next season, and then I guess. Yeah, I guess Did so. I miss something? Uh, when when Sims goes to talk to Billings, and he asks him, like, hey, what's up with your fucking hand, bro? Yeah. The next time we see Billings, he's talking to his wife in their home, and he tells her that they cut him an exemption and is going to let him keep his job. Wow. I Yeah. Totally Which is, I, and my first thought had to be like, this is just a technique to control him. Maybe what John said is maybe he cut a deal for this, but bare minimum, he's the last person that's like deeply entrenched in this situation who has like extra, extra, extra knowledge about all the fuckery. And so yeah. I'm wondering if they're just like, you, uh, you be a good, good little sheriff and you shut your fucking mouth and we'll let you keep your job. Shaky hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think we have really any clues about this so far. It's kind of just a dangling thread. Oh, none. Yeah. For, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. Well, I, oh, sorry. Nope. Nope. I was just saying you're smart. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So uh, we are going to move on to the recap and or the review section of the podcast. We 
just did the other thing. So, Patrick, as always, we will begin with you. What score would you give these episodes? Hmm. I'm going to say I'm going to do great, great on these episodes because while I did not get all my questions answered, I thought that the season wrapped pretty cleanly and with enough uh, intrigue for me to watch the next season while wrapping up some things from the season. Uh, I want to know what happens to the silo. I am. I love the last shot of we find out there's more than one silo. So this this kind of microcosm is played out in a lot of other places, very close by to where this silo is, which is pretty amazing. So yeah, I'm I'm sold on this story. I want to know what happens. So that's why I'm doing. Oh, I almost forgot. I'm gonna do seven. Yeah, I'm gonna give it seven out of seven. Uh, Great Kingdoms. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Uh, as for myself, I think I'll. Probably go with like six out of seven goods, five out of seven greats, and then wait, six out of seven goods, five out of seven weirds, and then yeah, <laughs> maybe like four out of seven greats. Um, I I do think I would categorize this finale for the season as good, not great, just because they cut a book in half. You know, like they did probably as good a job as they could have, but. It's just not super satisfying. I mean, it felt like a mid-season finale more so than the end of a season. Um, But that being said, uh, one of my criticisms of the show has been that the intrigue and mystery is sort of carrying it, and I'm not as invested in the character stuff. And I think that in these last two episodes, the character stuff really did take off and uh, carry me through... um, given the fact that the mysteries aren't actually completely resolved yet. So uh, I, I did like it, but um, it wasn't, I mean, it could have been better in an alternate universe if X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, Jesse, what about you? I like this style of, we wrapped up 75% of the mysteries, but then gave you 25% more mysteries. Even this last two episodes gave me, a half a dozen new things. What's this blinky thing? What's the, what the, and the mines and the, and the, that. And so I am also going almost entirely on the mystery part. That's the thrill for me. Um, I, I really loved the last episode. I, I could, I do, I could have used something that was more action oriented. Um, as opposed to the cerebral part, like it was really thrilling to watch her walk out. She doesn't die. Everybody else is surprised. But I could have used a more explosive thing to end it on, where where it would almost be like I can't say anything, but just something like volatile and not just a like seeing all those silos is really cool. It just. I don't know. It's a different kind of exciting or yeah, it's a different kind of exciting than I think the end of the, I think one more thing on top of that would have really sent, sent the sent it home for me. So I'm going to give this also, I just realized we've been rating two episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. Like not like, cause that episode six and episode seven do would get different ratings from me. Yeah. But I'm not doing that. But that's funny that I didn't even catch on to that until right now. Our show is the canon. Every one of these episodes is an hour and a half long, and there are five of them. I'm glad you agree, because that's also what I think. (laughs) (laughs) I give this six out of seven. Good. I give this seven out of seven. Great. I give this five out of seven. Weird. Could have been weirder. Could have been weird. Show me a couple more videos off that hard drive. Get me back in that water. I want to retcon my uh, score to six out of seven uh, Great Kingdoms <laughs> oh, because fuck. I forgot to bring this up. I just want to do it in the last two seconds. Please. That the two times that uh, Juliet gets miraculously survives, you know, once in episode nine, once in episode 10 is like the the fall from the railing to the next platform. I was like, okay, I kind of saw that coming. Like, I don't think they're going to kill her. And then the trash chute thing falling to the very bottom after they threw all that shit down the trash chute. And then she lands on like a mattress or something or like something super soft. Then they yank her off. Like they're waiting for her to come out of there. And then the AC unit comes crashing down. I was like, "Mm, okay, whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. 
Yeah. I'll, I'm going to write that off as part of the fiction of the universe. I don't know. Those people are supposed to be waiting at the bottom of that hole to be snatching shit, you know? So right. I think it'd be pretty. They just come to like, Bobby. Oh, oh, fuck, that's a person. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was about to snatch a toaster. That's a whole ass person. <laughs> she maybe could, could have broken a couple more bones. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I would also, I would have parkoured in that tunnel. I would have like leaped off of that shit and just been like <laughs> bouncing Ninja Warrior style <laughs> off the walls. There's no way I was just going to jump straight fucking down. Eat my You're shorts, be dude. E-jumping or whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah, I would be double jumping. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, but... Yeah can't wait for the next fucking season y'all like holy fuck i cannot wait oh, oh, either oh. the boyfriend's like and uh jules there wasn't anything the water wasn't even anything to worry about yeah yeah i like how they threw that in like i'm um, sorry what and he's like gotta go bye yeah for sure <laughs> i would have loved if he was just like turns out people float for sure for sure yes um i would have loved anything all, like that we all float down here jules <laughs> there we go <laughs> Um, all right so thank you so much everybody for listening this is our final actually i'm not gonna say this is our final silo episode because we'll definitely be doing the next season and i also kind of want to do a season wrap-up thing we're not 100 percent sure if that's what we're doing or not but we will talk about that and then you guys will be the first to know besides us obviously so yeah thank you for listening please email us at goodweirdgreat at gmail.com uh, you can find Jesse at on Twitter at Jesse underscore wind. And you know what? Fuck it. You can find me on Twitter at Marxist underscore Sheist. That's right. I'm what a fucking fuck? communist, baby. Dropping the lore. I think I said my Twitter wrong. That's fine. You don't actually need to find me. Uh, anyway, also listen to Patrick <laughs> and I's other podcast, Devil Fruit Punch. We have a movie episode coming out soon. Or it, it, oh, do it you? probably actually has already come out by the time this comes out. But um, yeah, that's we're super excited. Wasn't that a for great that. episode? So good. Loved it. Yeah, it was really funny and we were very good on it. So yeah, I understood all of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah, thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, when you're lost in the silo, yeet off the railing, yeet down the trash chute. Good. Yeet off the good railing to the weird floor so you can have a great runaway. Don't forget, Sims' kid is a little bitch. May the fucking Lord of Light protect you or something, I don't know. <laughs>